you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, how you doing? Locked On Browns, episode 115 of Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, joining me tonight is one of the better defensive line, defensive front evaluators, young and up and coming each year, just grows more and more into it, a former player, played the position, knows it well. Good friend of mine, Charles McDonald, my man. Chuck, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm glad I got to stop by and, you know, be a part of this Lockdown Browns podcast. It's uh, I feel like the Browns, through the summer to now, they're, they're like Twitter's favorite worst team, if, if that makes sense. See, and it's 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 a funny thing for me because you know obviously the Jets all these years this opportunity opportunity opened up, you know, and for me like the writing gets monotonous and it's it's difficult when you have you know a family you don't necessarily have the hours to sit down and put into what needs to be put out, but these twenty to twenty five minute podcasts these are perfect per day, and look I got a wife I got two daughters nobody wants to talk football so this is the absolute thing that just basically keeps me balanced through going through the day. So, you know, I'm enjoying it, and, you know, my Jets fans, you know, they want to pick on me. But, look, I took the tank out of New York. I drove the tank to Cleveland to start this assignment. So, look, I, you know, for me, everybody wins. And, look, you know, in, you know, I tease Mark Schofield all the time. It's, it's great to cover a great football team. But, man, how many times can you just say at the end of the day, you know what, Tom Brady, he's really friggin' good. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, how many times at the end of the day can you say the Browns? They're uh, they're freaking bad, but they do. I think the Browns they do have some interesting pieces, at least moving forward that 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 we can talk about tonight. For, I mean, particularly on the defensive line. I like what they've done. I, I, you know, I watched this team a lot last year in sixteen, and it was a terrible product. And now you look at them here as year two through a three, uh, you know, you know through you know the three build. I never say rebuild because that implies that something was built. So that's something I always try to avoid when I'm talking about this team. Uh, but before we get into all that, um, you know, you, Justice, you know, a little brainstorming, you know, over a cocktail or two in Mobile, setting the edge website, setting the edge podcast. Go ahead and, uh, for those who aren't familiar, go ahead and give some words on that there. Uh, yeah, so really it's just a, it, it's funny because it's a, it's a podcast that Justice and I started over at Drunk Text, like back in, uh, back in de- last December. And we pretty much just talk about, uh, everything going on with football. Sometimes we have we have guests that aren't really involved in football, but overall we just like to have fun. Uh, we have a website settingedge.com that we've been posting a lot of content to uh, this offseason. Which, if you want to feel good about the Browns' defense, I suggest you you uh, check out our weekly series called the Update, where there it's like volume numbers run through efficiency, so you kind of get a good look at how each team compares to each other compared to the NFL average in certain stats. So, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun so far. We had Dominique, uh, Dominique Foxworth on the podcast today. That'll be up on Thursday morning, so uh, definitely check that out. Yes, old friend of mine, Miko Grimes. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> not an old friend of mine. I've been blocked for a long time. Uh, you know, crazy, you know. But look, I mean, that's yeah. part of it. I mean, you know, have some fun with some things, you know, let loose. I cannot wait you know, to the off season, I, you know, I got some big plans for that stuff, but that's part of this. I mean, when you have somebody in a platform like this, you want to be able to talk to people you know, and just for the fun of it, but also just the reaching out and, you know, and look, the only way you learn is through talking and, you know, getting other people's minds, getting other people's vibes. Um, 
now, you're Atlanta Falcons. It was a rough start. It seems like the ship's being righted. I think the Jets game kind of helped them a little bit. I think, you know, that terrible weather, you know, I think they were able to rally around and, and get stuff back in order. But, uh, you know, some thoughts here on your Atlanta Falcons as we're rolling into week 11. Uh, they're, they're doing just enough to, like, keep me interested in the season. Because he, every week you watch, it, it's very clear that, I mean, this is just a supremely talented team. I mean, with Julio Jones and offensive line, the two running backs, obviously the running MP Matt Ryan, who, despite the interception totals, I think he's had a great season again so far. Uh, I think Matt Ryan has eight interceptions, and I would say six, five of them are drops, and one was a uh, miscommunication. So uh, I think he, I think he's having a great season again. The defense is still a lot of fun, and. You know, the defense, like, they're starting to put together over the past couple of weeks. So I, I don't want to get too excited about this team because they always break up, break my heart at the end. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're, it, it's a roller coaster. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Now, um, University of Georgia, I know you're a huge fan. Um, obviously, they went with the divorce. You know, Mark Richt went to Miami. And it seems like everything has actually kind of worked from both ends. You know, it's worked out for Richt. It's worked out for Georgia. Um, you know, Taking Saturday's game aside, um, how are you feeling about University of Georgia? And look, there's a lot, a lot of NFL talent down there. Oh, yeah. It, I've been absolutely shocked by how good Georgia is this year. Just because, I, I, like last year, I was pretty lukewarm on the Kirby Smart hire because I, I feel like some of these teams get caught in the trap of just hiring you know, Nick Saban disciples, which is what Kirby Smart was at uh, Alabama as uh, Alabama C for the coordinator. But, hey, it's it's all really worked out. I mean, the recruiting has been unbelievable on Georgia's end, and you're starting to see them manifest in the field this year. Uh, they got a five-star quarterback in next year to back up Jacob Fromm. And this year, I mean, the, the, uh, the loss to Auburn was bad, but overall that defense has just taken a tremendous step forward. And you just got to give hats off to Kirby Smart. I mean, they got NFL prospects all over the field. Uh, with Roquan Smith, that middle linebacker, who's drawn a lot of names, who's drawn a lot of hype. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, Bill Bell- Bellamy at the edge. And then their secondary is loaded, too, with guys like uh, DeAndre Baker, Aaron Davis, Malcolm Parrish. You know, it, it's just a really loaded defense. And you know, if they, if they can find a way to sneak their way back into the college football playoff, which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the way this college football season has gone, you can't really rule anything out, so... I'm really excited for the prospects of them, not only for this season, but moving forward into the future. And I, I do like a matchup with them with Alabama. Uh, that speed on that D is insane. You mentioned Rakan Smith. Um, you know, look, I'm older than most of you guys. He gives me, and I hate, you know, I hate to do a comp like this because everyone's, oh, you compared him to. I'm not comparing him to, but Ray Lewis, when he was at Miami, was an undersized, fast as hell middle linebacker who made a ton of plays, a ton of big hits. I get a little bit of a you know vibe with Con Smith, you know, college-wise from that. Look, how it translates over, that's a whole other story for another day. Um, but part of the reason why I want to do this with you, Chuck, is you know you, it, it, I'm covering this for these Browns fans and these. Look, I understand the doom and gloom. You know, when your team has been down for so long, but I look at this defense. I look at the defensive front, the defensive front seven. There's a lot of good here. You wrote a great piece. I want you to elaborate a little bit on that and, you know, what you did from studying this, you know, this front seven and this D-line and what you established from what you saw. Well, the, the Browns defensive line is interesting because I think as most Browns fans know, they're about average when it comes to getting to the quarterback. We have uh, these numbers on 70 edge. Like I, t- I spoke about earlier. 
uh, called the update, which is you know, uh, like efficiency numbers run through volume, so you kind of get how it, you know if if our team has many snaps as the average team, uh, how would they perform? And if, if you look at the Browns' uh, defensive terms of tackle for loss, they are by far the best team in terms of getting tackle for losses in the backfield. They're about average when it comes to uh, getting sacks, but. I think when you have a mostly young defensive line, guys like you know, Danny Shellen, Larry Ogunjobi, Emmanuel Ogba, Miles Garrett, uh, Carl Nassib, usually it takes those guys a little while to get their feet wet in the league and kind of adjust to the physicality of the game in terms of their pass rushing. I mean, we even saw the explosion with Vic Beasley from year one to year two where he went from four sacks to 15 and a half in the league. So I think like the tackle for loss uh, statistic is something to be really, really excited about, especially Emmanuel Ogba. I mean, he, he's been an absolute monster versus run. I think he's uh, might be leading the league in tackles for loss right now. And on a personal basis, he, he's one of the most valuable run defenders in the league in terms of defensive linemen. Uh, Danny Sheldon's been great too. Larry Joby, Miles Garrett has obviously been a stud when he's on the field. So, uh, you know, maybe not everything has gone right with this reload, but uh, that defensive line is young, they're athletic, they're ferocious, and, and I think they're really going to turn into one of the NFL's premier, premier units in the coming years. I know, I, I could agree with you, and you know, I'm excited about that, and I think that's a solid product. You know, obviously, you throw the, you know, take the short game, kind of throw it out. That was the worst outing of the point, obviously, with the, they were the strong point of this team, you know, going, you know, forward to this point. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just tough from that regard, you know, and obviously, you know, when the offense played well and, you know, but the defense, you know, was able to, you know, allow Detroit to put up 38. Uh, you listen to Locked On Browns, episode 115, have Charles McDonald heel setting, uh, Charles McDonald on this evening, setting the edge, the website, the podcast guys, check it out. Uh, Charles, Justice, they do some great, great work, great young guys, you know, bring their own flair to it. You know, these are younger guys, you know, using metrics using tape, mixing it all together. It's it's fun stuff. I read a ton of it. I recommend that you do as well. Um, I got some questions here from some... Um, this is the first one I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with a fun one first. Uh, Ryan Burns, one of everybody's favorites at Football <laughs> Sickness. What does it feel like to Browns up a Super Bowl? Oh, man. I'm... I'm... <laughs> So, I mean, I, I'm, Jeff mentioned at the start, but yeah, I'm a Falcons fan. So, uh, I mean, that Super Bowl loss was – I couldn't even believe what I just watched when it was over. Like, I I mean, first of all, I was wasted. I mean, just absolutely hammered because when, uh, when Julian Edelman had that catch, uh, you know, where he just barely come off the ground in between, like, three defenders, I, I just had a feeling they were going to lose then. So, I just started pouring alcohol down my throat. But just to lose – that game and you were up 20 to three with literally you know 17 minutes left in the game you're up by three scores uh it, it's just peak falcons peak nfl misery so i i've gotten over it just because i mean i didn't play that game like how long can i really dwell on it but it, i just i just kind of wish that uh they had won that game so i wouldn't have to care about them in the season i could just kind of come back in 2018 but here we are uh still emotionally invested for some god awful reason now, this is uh, Nate from Dog Pound, Nate. You know, this is back to Agba. Is he going to be able to, you know, match the pass rushing skills to, obviously, the fantastic job he's doing with, you know, obviously uh, against the run? Is he, oh, you know, obviously you're always going to add more pass rushers when you have the capital that Cleveland does. 
But is he going to develop into that eight to ten as a number two defensive end, you know, sack type of guy? Can he do that? Yeah, I I think he can, and just because when you see guys that are super disruptive against a run like that, I I do think that when you just have somebody that athletic and someone who's already really that productive against a run, I do think he's going to figure it out. Like I I think when you look at a lot of young pass rushers who are just kind of dripping with athleticism, something that they need to work on usually is like handwork, pass rush moves, because when you're in college, you can get away with kind of just running around off of the tackles just if you're just kind of a freak athlete. But I, I do think that it's coming. He's still a young guy. He's only his second year in the league. Uh, already a super productive player. I, I think it just kind of takes pass rushers a little bit of time to come into their own. And, uh, I would bet on Ogba figuring it out uh, in the near future, probably next season. Okay. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, you know, from the, obviously he's getting limited reps from the amount you saw. I mean, we're talking future starter. I mean, potential Pro Bowl talent. I mean, they've invested a lot in this D-line. They have, and I think their early returns are good. And uh, Larry Ogunjobi definitely fits right into that. Uh, I I know his playing time has dipped off a little bit, or it's kind of inconsistent whenever Miles Garrett is playing. But man, he is a really disruptive player. Uh, just like before Miles Garrett came back into the lineup earlier this season, he was among the league leaders in terms of tackle for losses. Uh, I think when you just watch him play, he's super disruptive. He creates a lot for other players. I think they need to do a better job of working him into rotation because he might be the most disruptive like interior presence. Uh, but yeah, as a third-round pick, especially coming from Charlotte, uh, UNC Charlotte, which isn't like a high-profile school, he's he's definitely showed out. and he, he showed that he belonged at the Senior Bowl back in January, and he's definitely been playing well so far. So it's just going to be interesting to see how they handle this defensive line rotation moving forward because I think in a season where everything's lost you kind of just want to get young guys as many reps as they can but Ogun Joby's kind of seen the short end of the stick here recently but hopefully that changes because he's a, he's a hell of a player Okay and now this is one for me before I get to one or two more um, the way they rotated D-line Sunday versus Detroit is they literally took out the first string and put in the second string like it just seems and look, I understand. And look, you know, when you got three hundred pound guys and guys, you know, plus two hundred fifty, look, everybody needs their spot. But wouldn't you do it, you know, like almost like rep by rep, or you know, three reps and this guy's out, and they went basically were throwing a second string D line out there, and Stafford just ate it up. You shouldn't rotate rotate your D line like that, right? No, I mean it, it's hard because usually you kind of mix and match the snap count so you can get. You know, you have your starters out there for uh, for the first couple series, obviously. But then you don't want to just go full straight second string. You usually want to have a mix of starters and second string, so you can kind of not have too much of a drop off as you give your starters some rest. But yeah, that that was kind of odd to see them go straight up uh, first team, second team, first team, second team. And uh, you know, I, I think they're still just trying to build depth and see what they have on the defensive line because they know you know they're not making playoffs this season. Uh, or, anything remotely close to that. So I, I think they're just trying to see what they have. So they want so they know what they want to keep moving forward. Yeah, well, that's what I say. And that's that's kind of been the problem with Hugh is Hugh seems like he wants to win so bad and he wants a couple of wins. And this is one thing I keep preaching. Look, 3 and 29 or 1 and 31, none of it's going to make a difference. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's no difference with that. I mean, there's no way you're getting close to a winning record so it's either develop it all or, you know, go from that angle. But, you know, he wants the win so bad. And, you know, I can understand it almost from for the players, 
in the locker room from that standpoint. But you know, at the end of the day, you're three and twenty-nine, one and thirty-one. It's just disgusting of the coaching. And if they're going to loot, you know, boot you on your record, it's not going to matter. Uh, let's go here. I got one more here. Uh, Danny Shelton. Uh, your overall thoughts on Danny Shelton? Has he lived up to the number one hype? Uh, I would I would say yeah, but I, I think the the way that some people will look at it, if you just look at it from a raw statistics point of view, you know, he, he's never going to be a guy that puts up tons of numbers in terms of you know sacks, tackles for loss, just tackles in general. Because when you're talking about a nose tackle or a one technique, usually those guys are just there to eat space and kind of bounce plays outside for your linebackers and your defensive ends and defensive tackles. But I, I I think Sheldon's a guy who's gotten better every single year he's been in the league. Uh, I mean, his, his cha- transformation from his rookie year to now – in terms of uh, how he disengages from blocks, how he holds blocks, uh, how he reads blocks, I think I, I think he's one of the better run stuff and defensive tackles in the league right now. So yeah, I, I would say that out of the two first round picks you had that year between Danny Sheldon and Cam Irving, Danny Sheldon definitely looks like a hit. All right, now as far as you know, the pass rush, it seems like it's lacking, and this is coming from Matt Peacock. It seems like the pass rush is lacking without Miles Garrett. Um, you know, they sometimes over blitz. You know, I understand this is a team that's, you know, has no true free safety. It's truly inundated with nothing but strong safeties. Um, without, you know, Garrett, you know, obviously, because, you know, they're splitting reps here. Um, are they blitzing too much? Or, you know, what's a better way to generate some pass rush and get these quarterbacks off their spots? Well, it's funny because, like, when you look back at the history of Greg Williams, just like with the Rams and the Saints. His mantra has been to blitz, like just all hell breaking loose blitz, which I, I think is kind of why you're seeing uh, a guy like Derek Kindred come up as one of the more valuable run defender players in the league. I mean, he, he's been fantastic against the run, but a lot of that is uh, the scheme where Greg Williams is just blitzing and that strong safety off the edge is usually just going to make a lot of plays if you time it to the right spot. Uh, but, you know, I, I think just in general, you want to see – if you can get home with more four-man rushes, because if you can get home with four and not have to sacrifice any coverage players for blitzers, that's when you really start to see a defense take off. I mean, you can look at the uh, 2015 Broncos, for example. I mean, obviously that's an extreme case because they had, you know, Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, Shaq Barrett, and then Akeem Tlaib, Chris Harris, and uh, Bradley River behind. But, you know, that's kind of the style or the ideal way to play defense getting home with four and having good defenders in the back end. I, I do think that in time, the Browns will have those guys to get home with four. Like when you just look at Garrett, Agba, uh, Hogan Jody, if Caleb Brantley's still around in a couple of years, maybe he could be one of those guys too. But I, I think the problems with the Browns pass rush in terms of getting home with four, it, it's mainly just due to, to youth and, and not really talent. Like, you have to remember that pass rushers come into the league with a huge curve. Uh, a lot of those guys usually don't even break up to year three, uh, year four sometimes. But I, I think if you're patient with this defensive line and just really just let them grow over the next couple of years, you're going to have one of the premier units in the league. All right, thank you so much. And now one last thing, Jabril Peppers. The ideal place to play him, in your opinion, is? Strong safety, but Derek Kindred's been locking that down. So it, it's kind of weird. Like I don't, I don't really know what his fit is in Greg Williams' scheme because they play him so deep. Like you know, sometimes even thirty yards off the ball, and a lot of times that's 
just too far away to make a play uh, on the ball. I mean, we've even seen him get beat deep like that. Uh, touched on a Will Fuller in the Houston game. Oh my game. God, that was yeah. so bad. I mean, he was he was outside the hash, went to the center, and he beat him on a simple fly route. So bad. yeah, it was bad. Uh, and I, I think like when you just look at what he did in Michigan, he was never really asked to play that position. So it's not a surprise that he's struggling with it uh, his first year in the league. I don't really know what you do with him because I, I I don't know if you want to punt on him and take another safety early next year. I don't know if it's too early to do that, but so far it just looks like he doesn't really have a fit in the scheme with the way that Derek Kendrick can play. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It seems like everybody just, you know, I mean, you know, like Michigan did it, you know, Cleveland's doing it. Oh, well, he's athletic enough. I think people don't understand, you know, to play the deep high safety that yes, athleticism is great, but it's so much between the ears and it's so much of a mentality and how quick you read it, Look, not everybody is Earl Thomas. You can't just say, Oh, well, he kind of measures and his number, you know, it, you know, there's just so much more that's between the ears to play that single high and deep. It, it, it's tough because everybody wants one, and they're so rare to have. Yep, and I, I, like as most people know, the Falcons hired Dan Quinn over from Seattle, and he's using the same scheme. And uh, I think that's something that a lot of Falcons fans have forgotten too. There's only one Earl Thomas. Like, there's only one Devin McCourty. Guys like that are extremely rare. So if you can just find a starting caliber free safety and just kind of build out the rest of your defense. Kind of, kind of like Jacksonville's done, you know, to Sean Gibson, he's not a world beater at free safety, but when you have Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bowie and Kalias Campbell, and Yannick Ngakwe and Malik Jackson, Marcel Darius and Dante Fowler and all those guys in the defensive line, it, it makes everyone's job a little bit easier. So I, I would, I think sometimes fans, when they look at that, Oh, that single high spot, we need a ball hawk. You just need someone capable who can run back there, and then you kind of fill out the rest of your defense. Because when you, when you, I think when you just think about it, that guy plays so far off the ball that you know, he can only make an impact on so many plays, unless he is an Earl Thomas, Devin McCourty type player like that. So I would say don't worry too much about the free safety spot. Uh, keep looking for upgrades because I don't think that Jabril Peppers can play that spot, and just keep tinkering. I mean, you guys are still. Only in year two of this front office, uh, hopefully they, they get to come back for year three because I do think that over the past couple of games, you've seen that Hugh Jackson has kind of settled into, hey, this team might not win a game this year, but let me call plays that kind of fit towards his rookie quarterback, and we've seen Kaiser have two strong games in a row. So hopefully that uh, momentum on the field continues and they end up with a top pick, and maybe you don't have to use on a quarterback. Exactly. Like you mentioned, with the free safety, look, he doesn't have to be Earl Thomas if your D-line is getting home and getting home with consistency. You know, if it's only, you know, 2.7 seconds, 2.8 seconds, it's not that hard to play the position. If you cannot get the consistent pass rush, then it becomes an issue. But Charles McDonald from SettingTheEdge.com, the Setting the Edge podcast with Justin Mokeda. You guys are doing great work. You know, guys, my little brothers, I appreciate all that you do. You guys help me so much because, look, I got to be honest, you guys evaluate the positions that I know jack about and don't care to watch. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. But you guys do fantastic <laughs> work with it, Chuck. You guys do. All right. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Uh, no problem at all. Locked on Browns, episode 150.